listening to the Restless Wanderer podcast by Paul Coulter and this is part two of a series in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter four verse one. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all still alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live in the earth, and that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you're going over to possess. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water under the earth. And beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you, and he swore that I should not cross the Jordan, and that I should not enter the good land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. For I must die in this land, I must not go over the Jordan, but you shall go over and take possession of that good land. Take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. 
when you father children and children's children and have grown old in the land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands, that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you're in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day the Lord, the God, sorry, the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you, and on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them, and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence, by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than yourselves, to bring you in to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today, and lay it to your heart, that the Lord is God in heaven above, and on the earth beneath there is no other. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. We'll pause our reading after verse 40 of Deuteronomy chapter 4. Now in the preceding three chapters we saw Moses recounting some of the history of the people that led them to the point where they're now ready to cross into the promised land. Of course Moses will die before they do that and Deuteronomy is the last of the books of Moses. This is Moses speaking to the uh, the, the second generation of Israelites, the ones who were not adults at the time when they came out of Egypt. And that makes it all the more remarkable that he speaks to them as if those past events coming out of Egypt had happened to them. There is a continuity in the people of God. There's something about the word of God to his people that is enduring. And uh, the core of this chapter is really a concern about idolatry or the core of these first 40 verses of the chapter. There is a, a mirror image pattern within the chapter. So there's an introduction in verses 1 to 2 that commands them to hear and follow without adding or subtracting. And then in verses 39 to 40, there's a conclusion that calls them to trust God uh, and to obey him. And then in verses 3 to 8, there are God's great words 
and in verses 32 to 38, God's great deeds. Those are the only two sections of the chapter that include that word great. And in verses 3 to 8, it's, it's the nation that is great because of the words God has given them. And then in verses 32 to 38, it's God's deeds that are great. And the middle of the chapter is three warnings. First of all, in verses 9 to 14, they're warned not to forget God's saving and revealing deeds. And the third warning is also a, a warning about forgetting, this time forgetting God's covenant, verses 23 to 31. And right in the middle, the second warning, which is the middle of the chapter, is verses 15 to 22, which is a warning against making carved image against idolatry. So you, you see this mirror image on the outside, hear and follow, trust and obey, reminders of God's great words and great deeds. And then in the middle, these warnings, don't forget God's deeds, don't forget God's words, but right at the centre, don't make idols for yourself. And this is a lesson for us in the nature of idolatry. You see, right in the middle of the chapter, the, the warning is that they don't make idols with their hands. It's a warning against corrupt actions. Verse 15 says, watch yourselves very carefully. Beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves. And of course, idolatry is to do with our hands, our actions. Sin is something that we do with our bodies. We do sinful actions. But of course, it's relatively easy for us to see those and recognise those wrong actions. But what this chapter reminds us is that wrong actions flow from a wrong heart. A heart that has forgotten the deeds and the words of God. Look at verse 9 in that first warning. Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Remember what God has done. And of course, that generation, some of them had as children seen God's deliverance from, from Egypt. Uh, only two were adults at that time. That's uh, Joshua and Caleb alongside Moses, of course, himself. But some of the people standing there hadn't seen those things. They knew about those things because they had been told about them by their parents. Uh, and, and that's important for us because we have not seen the deeds of the Lord Jesus, his miracles on earth, his death and his resurrection. But we have trusted in those deeds and we must not forget them. And, and to keep them, we have to guard our hearts. Keep your soul diligently. Don't let them depart from your heart. Keeping them is about remembering. And if you look at the third warning, you'll see a similar issue there, the heart Take care lest you forget, verse 23 says, the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you and make a carved image. So the issue is that idolatrous actions, corrupt actions flow from a corrupt heart, from an idolatrous heart that forgets God's deeds and God's words. And this principle that our sinful actions or idolatrous actions flow from a sinful heart, an idolatrous heart, is clear throughout Scripture. It's there in the Ten Commandments. If you think of those Ten Commandments, most of them are to do with actions that we take, Commandments 2 to 9. But when you look at Commandments 1 and 10, they're to do with the heart. Commandment 1 is to have no other gods before God. That's not an action, that's an attitude of the heart. 
And commandment 10 is to do with uh, covetousness. It tells us not to covet anything that belongs to our neighbour. Again, that's not an action. That's an attitude of the heart. And the Lord Jesus taught this as well. He taught that our problem is with our heart. He says in Matthew 15, verse 19, that out of the human heart comes come evil thoughts. The issue is not just with the things that we say and the things that we do, but to do with our heart. John Calvin described the human heart as a perpetual idol factory. In other words, our hearts are expert in making idols. That's the idea that's here in Deuteronomy 4. It's the idea of what the Lord Jesus taught. It's there in the first and the tenth commandments in the Ten Commandments. Uh, Tim Keller, in a more recent book, Counterfeit Gods, puts it like this. He says, what is an idol? It's anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you on what only God can give. So we look to idols for salvation, for security, for purpose, for meaning, for safety. We fear idols as well. I mean, in the ancient world, people didn't worship false gods out of love for those gods, but they feared what those gods could do with them if they weren't appeased. And of course, if we fear something more than we fear God, then it's an idol to us. So an idol could be possessions, it could be items, but it could be the approval of other people. It could be a person or a relationship, a marriage or a boyfriend or girlfriend. It could be an idea about ourselves. All of these things can be idols to us. Our heart churns them out and they grip us. And this chapter of Deuteronomy is a warning against all of those forms of idolatry because from that idolatry come sinful actions. The reason we do wrong things is because we have wrong beliefs. And now how do we deal with this problem of idolatry? How do we guard our hearts? What are the things that we need to remember? And I see three things in these verses in Deuteronomy 4 that um, we can find solid ground to stand upon. Three unchangeable things. First of all, God's character, then God's covenant, and then God's call. Let me mention each of those uh, in turn. So God's character, what is God like according to Deuteronomy? Well, he is near and he is accessible to us, first of all. This is a wonderful truth. Uh, the Moses, speaking to the people of Israel, says, what other nation has a God who is so near to them when they call on him? Verse 7 says, and verse 29, again, at the end of the, the chapter or end of the or towards the, the second half, rather, of the passage says uh, that even when the people of Israel go into exile and you notice that warning, that's a theme in Deuteronomy, that if they are unfaithful to the covenant, God will take them out of the land into exile. But even there, if they seek the Lord, they will find him if they search after him with all their heart and with all their soul. God is not distant. He is not inaccessible. He can be found if we will seek him. He wants us to come to him. But this God is invisible. That's vitally important. When Moses reminds them that when they saw the, the fire and, and all of the, the drama on the mountaintop, they saw no figure of God himself. God did not reveal himself to them in a visible figure. 
He is the invisible God. He's revealed to them, not in visible form, but in his words and in his deeds. On that day, verse 15 says, you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you. But you have seen the deeds that God has done. Verse 34 reminds them of the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And of course, the Lord Jesus, living this side of Jesus, was visible. Um, in that sense, he, he had a body. God took on a human form, God incarnate. But uh, he was the representation of the invisible God. Uh, and it's not supremely in his physical appearance that God was revealed to us, but in his actions, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, and of course, in his words. But what is the character of God? Well, he is a jealous God. Verse 24 says that. That is sometimes an uncomfortable image of God, the jealousy of God. But of course, there is a healthy jealousy in a relationship, in a marriage. It's healthy that you are jealous for the affection of your spouse, that you want to be the only person that your spouse um, looks on in, in the way that they look on you. And with that affection, that devotion, and if your spouse goes and flirts with somebody else, you would rightly be jealous. That's healthy. Well, God is jealous of the affection of his people. He is a consuming fire. This is a vitally important truth that we mustn't lose sight of, that God is not just a cuddly grandfather figure in the sky. God is intense in his love for us, in his holiness and purity, and he desires our love for him. He's a consuming fire. He will judge. This chapter warns about the judgment that will come if they're unfaithful to the covenant. But verse 31 says he is a merciful God. He won't leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant. He is a covenant keeping God in his mercy. He is a forgiver of sins. He won't abandon his people. This is a wonderful truth. God is jealous for your love for him. If you're a Christian, even if you're not, that you would come to him and know his love. But but you might think, well, that's a, a terrible thing, because if I come to God as a consuming fire, I will be utterly consumed in my sin. But this is the merciful God who forgives sins of those who come to him. You see, idols, when we have idols, they absorb us and they diminish our vision of God. We don't see who God is in his greatness, in his splendour. We have some lessened understanding. We give ourselves to a power that is not merciful idols. No, no mercy. They certainly are jealous for our attention. Because behind, of course, those idols is Satan himself who would draw us astray from God. So what do we need to do? We need to praise God and to testify to his goodness. God is great. God's unchanging character. But secondly, God's unchanging covenant. Moses reminds the people that they have been loved, chosen and rescued by God's power and his presence. Look at verse 37. It's beautiful. It's not only by his power at a distance that God saved us, but by his presence. He came near to his people. And if he came near to Israel when he brought them out of Egypt, how much closer did he come when, when he became incarnate in the person of Jesus? And God has blessed his people. This is a covenant of blessing. 
He's blessed them greatly. Look at verses 6 to 8. What other nation? I mean, the, the law that God gave to Israel was so much greater than anything that any other nation had in the ancient world. The other nations were meant to look at the blessing of Israel and to want to know their God, to be intrigued. This was the missionary call of Israel, if you like, to, to show God's greatness to the nations by their obedience to his word. Well, uh, we too as Christians are blessed to be a blessing. It's a theme that runs right from God's call to Abraham where he says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. The same is true for Israel, blessed with the law of God to be a blessing to others. We too are blessed to be a blessing. And God has brought them out of the furnace. Look at verse 20. The Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace out of Egypt to be a people of his own inheritance as you are this day. In the context of the chapter, which is warning against idolatry, the image is clear. What do you, how do you form an idol? You, you form it, you craft it in a furnace. It's um, uh, using metal. You melt the metal and then you pour it into a mould. But God has melted down his people and formed them into a shape that can bear his likeness, to be God's image bearers. That's what God has called us to do. That's why idolatry, of course, is so problematic. Not only does it diminish our understanding of God, but it diminishes our understanding of ourselves, distorts us. We make ourselves slaves to something that is less than we are. It was human beings who were created to be God's image to the world. We are his image bearers. And when we give our service and our worship to something less than God, we're worshipping something less than ourselves. We diminish ourselves. But we, the covenant people of God, are kept by God. Verse 31 says he won't leave you or destroy you, but also disciplined by God. Verse 36, out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might discipline you. God calls us as his children. He forges his covenant with us and he disciplines us so that we can be faithful children. Now, of course, we can't read this as Christians without thinking of the new covenant that Jesus made by his blood. That we remember whenever we take bread and we take the cup and we remember the new covenant in his blood. We are his covenant people kept and disciplined. God's character is unchanging in his jealousy and mercy. God's covenant is unchanging. He keeps us in his love and he disciplines us so that we can be a blessing to others. But God's call is the third unchanging thing. And this chapter introduces a word that's quite important throughout the book of Deuteronomy in a number of places. It's the word today. We see it in verse 4 and in verse 8 and verses 39 and 40. Today is the call. Today is the challenge. The law that is set before them this day uh, and uh, Moses is speaking to them this day. And therefore then verse 39, know therefore this day and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath there is no other. And therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commands which I command you today. There is the ever-present today. 
The word of God speaks to us in a living and active way each day. The words that Moses is speaking here, they're a sermon about a sermon. And I'm speaking to you now, you might say that's a sermon about a sermon um, about a sermon. In other words, Moses is reminding them of the word that God had given to them at Mount Sinai or had given 40 years earlier. Uh, And now I'm reminding you about these things. You see, God's word is alive every day. There might have been 40 years since God spoke to them at Sinai. But Moses can say this word is for you in this moment today. And today the call of God is to you. God's statutes and rules are life-giving and unalterable. Look at verses 1 and 2. You can't add anything to them and you mustn't take anything away from them. God's word is unchanging and the call of God for holiness for his people is unchanging in every generation. And so we must gather. Verse 10 says that the Lord said to me, gather the people on that day at Mount Sinai that they may hear my words so that they can learn to fear me and that they may teach their children also. That's the call. It's to gather, to hear and learn and then teach. That's the call on God's people in every generation, every day. That's why we gather together to hear God's word taught so that we might learn and be able to teach others. And the response that's called for from us, well, verse six tells us, that we should know these commandments. We have to keep them and do them. In verses 39 and 40 again, know therefore this day, lay it to your heart, keep his statutes and his commands. Verse 40, know, keep and do. These are commandments not simply to be known, guarded in our hearts, but to be obeyed. Again, as the word of God implants in our hearts, it transforms our hearts where our root problem is so that we do the will of God in our action. Idols promise us life, but they distract us from the true life that is found in the call and word of God. So we need to hear and respond to God's living word. God's character is unchanging in his jealousy and mercy. God's covenant is unchanging in his keeping us in his love and disciplining us for his service. And God's call is unchanging day by day to know and to keep and to do the life-giving word of God. Let's finish reading Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 41. Then Moses set apart three cities in the east beyond the Jordan that the manslayer might flee there. Anyone who kills his neighbour unintentionally without being at enmity with him in time past, he may flee to one of these cities and save his life. Bezer in the wilderness and the tableland for the Reubenites, Ramoth in Gilead for the Gadites, and Golan in Bashan for the Manassites. Now I'll pause there after verse 43. I'm not going to comment on those verses because the cities of refuge come up in chapter 19 of um, Deuteronomy and we'll come to that as we teach on through the book but I suppose it's here as a reminder that Moses is beginning to obey the commands that God has given back in Numbers 35 we see the command to build these cities of refuge and here Moses is beginning to obey that in the land that they have already taken to the east of the Jordan. Let's then read verses 44 to 49 which are a preface to the law that God, uh, Moses, is about to remind them of, starting in chapter 5. 
So verse 44 of Deuteronomy 4. This is the law that Moses set before the people of Israel. These are the testimonies, the statutes and the rules which Moses spoke to the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. Beyond the Jordan, in the valley, opposite Beth Peor, in the land of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon, whom Moses and the people of Israel defeated when they came out of Egypt. And they took possession of his land and the land of Og, the king of Bashan, the two kings of the Amorites, who lived on the east beyond the Jordan, from Arawer, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, as far as Mount Syrian, that is Hermon, together with all the Arabah on the east side of the Jordan, as far as the Sea of the Arabah under the slopes of Pisgah. That's the end of Deuteronomy chapter 4. As I said, those last verses are really just a preface to what is to follow. But the challenge of this chapter is, again, against idolatry. If we're going to guard against the idolatry of the heart, we must be diligent in watching our hearts, in making sure that our hearts are fixed on the character of God, knowing his jealousy and his mercy, and that we are rooted in the covenant of God, kept in his love and shaped and disciplined for his service, and that we hear day by day the living word of God, that we meditate upon it and hear its call to know and to obey and to teach it to our children and to others. May God make that so in your life today.